Hello everybody and welcome to Success Defined. I'm Ben McDonald. Today I have Nate Andrew, owner of CrossFit Eternal Davidson with me. We're going to jump into how Nate has maintained and evolved his version of success over time. And it's going to be interesting because this is a story of a an engineer turned uh, gym owner. So Nate, I appreciate you joining us today. Absolutely. So I wanted to start uh, the conversation with kind of your introduction to CrossFit because I know it's a little bit different and it puts us right on the timeline of, of what we're going to jump into. Okay, yeah, sure. So um, I guess I'd always been passionate about health and fitness, but I was always more of a like meathead, just typical back and by, chest and try type stuff. Yep. Um, and so uh, my roommate from college was opening up a CrossFit gym, you know, was uh, super excited about it and had, you know, approached me about becoming a member. So one of his first members. And I honestly, after he described it to me, it was just complete opposite of what I wanted to do. <laughs> I didn't like getting all sweaty and like breathing heavy. Like right. I wanted to do a set of bench and then sit around for five minutes and yeah. repeat. The whole heart rate thing was yeah. not a, yeah. yeah, not my cup of tea. So what I told him was like, look, you know, just to be a good friend, like I'm going to be your first member. I'm going to help you kind of get this thing started. Yep. Not really into it, but you know, that's what I'll do. And then I fully intended on just, you know, bailing once he got up and running and, you know, there were enough members to where you didn't need to be there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, but like many other people, you know, you just all of a sudden get hooked on this stuff and you can't quite explain it, you know, maybe it's the endorphin rush or whatever, but yeah, you know, you do a few classes and you're like, I I just can't wait to go back. It was awful. Like I hated it, but (laughs) somehow like I'm excited to do it again. The love hate relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just so rewarding, you know, that feeling you got of accomplishment and things like that. And it was obviously addressing a lot of weaknesses that I had in my game. Um, I thought I was super fit and, you know, like strong and all this kind of stuff. And it just did not translate at all when I tried to do the CrossFit workouts and I just kind of got exposed and it was a wake up call for me that I was like, I'm not nearly as fit or healthy as I thought I was. Um, so I just kind of got hooked on that whole concept too. Um, and just went from there and then, yeah, I was, I was in it for life at that point. Yep. So in that timeline, uh, prior to even doing CrossFit, you, you were obviously working out a lot. Like you said, you were passionate about it. But uh, where were you in your career? And I alluded to obviously being uh, an engineer and being on that side. But uh, take us through where, where you were when you first got introduced to CrossFit. Yeah, so I guess, I guess it was about eight years ago that I started CrossFit. Um, maybe a little bit longer, maybe nine years. And so I must have been an engineer for two, three years at that point. Okay. Um, so I was working for a nuclear engineering company. Um, I had gotten my master's degree in mechanical engineering. Um, I hired with that company uh, as I was working on my thesis. So I was had my bachelor's. I was two years into grad school yep. and changed my thesis at the last minute. So basically, like had all my schoolwork done. I was just doing thesis work and yep. started working full time um, doing the engineering thing. Um, and as far as that goes, like I basically just got steered in that direction because I was good at math. You okay. know, going through like high yeah. school and stuff like that, and people were like, "Well, if you're good in math, you should be an engineer because they can do pretty much anything." And you hear it enough times, and you start to think, "Maybe yeah. that's what I should do." Well, yeah, and it's like when you're that young, you just you just don't know. Yeah. Like you don't know what's out there, and you, you you can't really you know know if you like something until you try it. So, you know, in hindsight, I should have tried some internships or something like that to kind of get a little bit of a feel for it. But you know, you're just kind of like, "Cool, like I'll go in this direction," and I was I was good at it. You know, I was getting good grades and and stuff like that all through college and, and that kind of stuff. But I didn't really enjoy any of it. But I just kind of felt like, well, this is what you have to do. And, you know, like engineers make a good salary. And you can make a good living doing this kind of stuff. So I just kept kind of going down that path. 
but the entire time I wasn't happy with it. Okay. And I got my job and I was like, well, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I, all through school, I was just kind of like, well, once you get the real job, it'll be more interesting. You'll have more freedom. And, <laughs> you know, you'll be solving problems, changing the world, and you're going you're gonna to like it a lot more. And I got my real job and I was like, it's just like college. You know, it's writing reports <laughs> and doing calculations and that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of... You know, kind of tedious and boring, and uh, especially in the nuclear field, there's just so much red tape around everything. There's so much paperwork, and everything moves, you know, at a snail's pace, just yep. with all the regulations. And so it was very, very just unrewarding and unsatisfying for me. Um, so yeah, career-wise, I was not happy with what I was doing there. And you know, fitness, exercise, CrossFit was a good outlet for me as my stress reliever. It's, okay. After work every day, I'd go directly to the gym. It was my happy place, you know, and it's like, it was all just building up to that. I just had to do this one thing, and then I could kind of enjoy that little piece of the day. Okay. So, so I want to go on a quick tangent because you touched on something. Uh, how much do you subscribe to needing to do something that you're passionate about? Because you get people on both sides, right? You get the people that say your job or your career is just the outlet to live the life you want. And then you get people that say, if you're not doing something you're passionate about, you're wasting your life. And, and where do you fall on that? I, I've definitely morphed more. To me now, it's it's all about if you're not happy, like throughout the day, then you're going to reach a breaking point at some point. right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I suffered through it way longer than I wish I had. You know, I did, I did the engineering job for 10 years before I finally got out of that. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it got to the point where it was just kind of like, why bother doing something like this? Even if you're making a good living and making money and, and that kind of stuff, and it's affording you opportunities, you know, when you're yeah. not at work, it wasn't worth it to me. You know, I, I had had a nice sports car, I had motorcycles, I could go on vacations if I wanted to, um, big screen TV, you know, whatever, all yeah, the, the, all the, the toys. Yeah, the stereotypical version of success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. All that stuff, and I wasn't happy. Yep. I just was not happy. And like one hour a day, I was, but it, it was just the rest of the grind was yep. killing me, and it was just wearing me down. So yeah, I've definitely gotten more and more towards, like, I guess I, I say I kind of become a hippie, you know, where it's just like you don't care about the material possessions as much. You just kind of look for stuff that makes you happy. And for yep. me, that's being healthy and, and fit and stuff like that. Yep. And exercise is fun and it's an outlet for me. And that's all I really needed. Like, I didn't okay. I didn't need all those toys and stuff like that. I just needed that one little piece of the day. And it doesn't take a lot to just get that one piece. I don't have to work a crazy engineering job that I hate to do that. Right. So, And that's what I finally realized. Okay. So, And, and getting into, obviously, you own this gym now. I. Prior to that, had you ever thought of uh, of owning your own business? Have you ever looked into that, or was that ever a dream of yours? It was more, I guess, like a, a little bit of a fantasy, I guess, working the job that you hate. You're like, man, if I could just be my own boss and do my own thing, like that would be, you know, ideal. And I didn't really know what that looked like. I didn't have like a business in mind when I thought of that. Okay. I just kind of liked the concept of like not working for somebody else and having to just, you know, sit in a cubicle and grind yep. all day long for somebody else. You know, so I was in love with that concept. I just didn't know what that looked like or okay. what the reality was there. Yeah. So, so give us a peek into what the younger version of yourself, what was important to you? So looking back at, back at high school version of Nate, what was most important to you then? You know, I think everybody's just kind of steered in that direction of like, you got to do what everybody does. You go to college, you get the degree, you get the, the nine to five job, you make a good salary, you buy the house. Right, you get married, have two and a half kids, or whatever. You know, it's like that's just the the path you're supposed to go down. And so I just kind of bought into that, yeah. and didn't really question it that much. And I was like, well, this is just what everybody does. 
you know, you just had to figure out what job you were going to get and hopefully you pick something you like. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the path I went down and I didn't question it enough. You know, I didn't really realize that like, you know, this isn't really what I'm passionate about. Like, this is what I love to do. Can I make a career out of that? That was just a hobby. Like you just did that as the hobby. This is how you did. You had to make a bunch of money. So you had to go with some kind of other job. You had to be the engineer or whatever. And so that was the path I went down and you get so committed to it. You know that you feel like, well, I can't back out now. Like, yep. I went to college, I got a master's degree, I'm, I've got the good right, job. You're, you're all in on that on yeah. that path. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I remember day one of my job, sitting down, them explaining to me, you know, how it all works, and I was, just, it just dawned on me. I was like, oh my god, this is, I'm gonna hate this. You know, and I was like, but I'm committed. Like, That's good. You know, on day one. You know, yeah. It's like, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? You know, day one, you you just got your degree and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, okay. Like, I'm just going to change gears right now, like, after right. all that. Yep. So, yeah, I wrote it out for 10 years, you know, and just hated it more and more every day. And I was like, I can't do this forever. So let's build on that a little bit. Um, if you could go back and talk to your 20-year-old self, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Um, no, I, I guess I'll leave it at that. I won't, I won't steer it anymore. Yeah, I, I think it all boils down to just following what you're passionate about. You know, and don't don't worry about like, can I make enough money doing that? Just do what makes you happy, and that's all you need. And you'll find a way. Like, and I, I say that to people all the time. If you want something bad enough, you'll find a way, right? And so it doesn't really matter of like, oh, but I won't be able to ever afford, uh, you know, luxury car, sports car, exotic car, whatever, these toys, jet skis, and all this kind of stuff. That stuff doesn't really make you happy, you know, or at least not for a long term, right? Yeah, but. Um, yeah, it's just kind of follow your passion and the rest will kind of fall into place. And I found that to be true ever since I finally reached that breaking point. It's just, you know, like this is what makes you happy and being happy at the end of the day is all that really matters. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have your health, you have your happiness and what else do you need? Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about advice that you would give. What about as you were growing up, anything from uh, parents, a coach, anything like that, that somebody said something to you and it just stuck with you. Uh, any type of advice that you received in that manner? Oh, that's something I gotta think back on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my parents were always super supportive. Um, you know, they always tried to set me up for success. And I think, I think their version of success was different than the modern version of success. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, so, I don't know, I think back in the day things just worked differently. You know, you you had pension plans and stuff like that, and like getting these corporate jobs, like that was totally the way to go. And it was was gonna set you up so that you could retire at a reasonable point, you know, and and be comfortable and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think that really exists in today's world the way it used to. You know, now people are working until they're 60, 70 years old, and then they still don't have anything to fall back on. And that kept, you know, kind of weighing in the back of my mind as I was working. I was like, I can't do this till I'm 60 or 70 and then try to enjoy life. Like, that's all your best years are behind you. So um, I don't know that there was anything back then that really stuck with me. Um, Was it just the example of your parents uh, and kind of how you interacted with them more than one specific piece of advice? Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I could see that my dad, he hated his job. He was a computer programmer. Okay. And I could tell that he did not enjoy it. He was good at it, you know, and it made a good living, but he did not enjoy it. Yep. Um, my mom was a workaholic. 
she was just and almost to a point of like driving my parents apart like she was just so focused on work all the time and not so much on the family not that she wasn't there like she was a great parent but it was just definitely like work was like her her focal point yeah so I don't know I, I guess I got two different sort of versions of that from the two parents, you know, the, the one side just hated his job and did it because he had to do it and that kind of thing. And then you had, you know, the mom that was super passionate about it and loved what she did and that kind of stuff. Um, and I don't know, maybe subconsciously, I always kind of liked that concept of like doing something you like and not just doing it because you have to do yeah. it. And wanting to pour yourself into it, not needing to. Exactly. Yeah. And so now maybe I, I probably honestly spend more time working at my job now than I did previously, but it doesn't ever feel like work to me. Like, yeah. I, I find myself late at night doing more to grow the business or, you know, grow myself, yeah. you know, and it, it never feels like work. It's something that I just want to do. That's how I want to spend my free time. And so it's because it's basically the hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your hobby became the job. You turned it into your full-time inco- income stream. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's it. So, so, and that changes everything. I mean, it's huge, you know, versus like working all day at a job you hate and then trying to find time for your passion. Yeah. Like, it's just totally different. Yep. So. Yeah, perfect. So, so let's now jump to the business side of things. Um, obviously, you're going through your career and you're on the trajectory to live the prototypical life, right? You're, you're making good money in a career. You've been doing it for 10 years, so you're able to continue making more, putting money away. Was there a defining moment where you just said enough's enough and, and that you wanted to jump into owning a gym? The thing that really pushed me over the edge, I was... Um, uh, I had a lot of freedom in the engineering job, and so I actually um, had gotten the gym sort of going while I was still working as an engineer. And the goal was always to just eventually do the gym full time, but it was right. this terrifying plunge to take to actually like quit the safe job with the benefits and yeah. the good salary and all that kind of stuff. So I was I got into the gym business because an opportunity presented itself. I wanted to go that direction, something I had sort of been building towards. I was looking for an opportunity. It presented itself, and I and I took that that leap. And that was an easy decision. But the actual like I'll quit my day job yeah. and do this full time. That was the really like terrifying like oh my god I don't know if I can actually do that. Okay. And uh, how long were you running your gym until you felt like you could step away from your engineering career? I think it was about a year and a half or so. Uh, okay. Just yeah, and I was just burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, and so that was wearing on me too. But yeah, it was you know, work you know the nine to five immediately go straight to the gym afterwards, coach the classes in the evening, stick around, try to get my own workout in, um, try to do any other business stuff, office stuff you know that need to be done there. Go home, pass out, wake up and do it again. And it was just every day, and then weekends were catch up you know for any of the gym stuff yeah. that were falling through the cracks and <laughs> I you really, lasted a year and a half doing that yes and you That's go incredible. numb you just go numb yeah. after a while and, and it's like it yeah it seems like it's just a terrible schedule right but after you get used to it you're just kind of like well this is just what you do but half that day was enjoyable because it was the gym stuff but the other half i was still just the miserable day job that i hated um and so the breaking point for me was at the day job, you know, I had a lot of freedom. I, uh, most of my team was in uh, Virginia, so I didn't really need to be in the office most of the time. If I interact with them, we just do a phone call or something okay. like that. 
long as I got my work done, everybody was happy. And so I had like flexible hours. I could, you know, start earlier in the day and duck out a little bit early so I could make it to the gym on time and stuff like that. And I could work remote from the house a lot and nobody would really, you know, uh, make a fuss about it. But uh, I switched teams. I got involved with some other work there and it was actually more interesting work than what I had been doing. So I was kind of excited about that. I was like, wow, this is a little bit more up my alley. Um, Switched over teams and they were in Charlotte. And so after I made the switch, I talked to him about like, you know, can I still work remote? You know, is this still going to be a similar type setup for me? And they said, yeah, 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 that's not going to be a problem. And then as soon as the, the transfer became official, they're like, you know, on second thought, we really need you to come into the office and do this and that kind of stuff. And it was like a week later that I was just like, I, yeah, I'm quitting. I can't yep. do this because it was just... You know, then I was burning the candle even more. It was just yeah. less sleep, so I could get there on time. You know, and all this kind. Of, it was just too much, and, and so that was my breaking point. Was yeah, you you were able to at least make it work at the beginning when you could be remote. You could control your schedule a little bit, but yeah. as soon as you couldn't, and that was taken away, there's there's just no chance. Yeah, and, and I also realized that I wasn't really growing the gym because I couldn't fully invest myself in it. I was I was doing the bare minimum. Okay. I was doing everything that needed to be done right then and there, yeah. but I couldn't just sit back and just be like, hey, let's come up with some, some new strategies here. Like, let's really take a look at, you know, where our holes are and try yeah. to address that stuff. It was just like, let's run the classes, let's make sure everything is stocked up and we got what we need to do to do everything every day, but it wasn't really evolving. And so I right. you were surviving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. I was like, this thing is never really going to take off until I can invest everything into it. Yeah, and, and I've got to imagine that that weighed on you also, right? Because when you're going to plunge into, I'm going to own a business and run a business, you're not thinking, I'm going to do it, and, and hopefully I can just maintain for the next 20 years. Right. Yeah. So let's go back to the story of how you even got a hold of uh, the business and, and that story, because I know there were a couple pieces where you thought it was going to be one way with partnership and relationships and things like that, that ended up not happening. So could you tell us about that a little yeah. bit? So, so yeah, the opportunity, the way that, that came about, um, the, my buddy who got me into CrossFit and owned the other gym, yep. right? I'd been coming there for uh, several years and I kind of approached him with the idea of like, hey, you know, I really kind of want to do my own thing at some point. I'd love to own one. And so I kind of planted that seed and he was supportive, you know, he wanted to help me out and make that happen. And so somebody actually approached him, so it was an existing CrossFit gym, approached him, they weren't doing so well, it kind of, you know, membership was dwindling, and they already, they had their full-time jobs, you know, and so they kind of said, you know what, we're going to let this thing go, we want to sell, and they approached him because they just liked what he had done with his business. Okay. They were like, we want you to kind of revitalize ours, kind of bring your concepts in here, and, and build this place back up. Yeah. So they still wanted their business to thrive, they were just stepping back themselves from yeah. it. So, he wasn't really into the idea of owning a second location at okay. the time. Um, so, what he said, we kind of brought it to me and said, hey, if they're looking to sell, um, what I could do is I'll be like a, a small percentage owner, like 20, 25% owner. This will be your baby. I'll be your mentor. I'll teach you how to run these things. Yep. You know, we'll build it back up. We'll get it humming. And then I'll step back and it, it'll just be yours from there on out. And I was like, that's amazing. That's, that's perfect. You know? Right. Um, Cause I don't have to, you know, make all the same mistakes over again, reinvent the wheel. Great. That's perfect. Um, fast forward, not too long. We close the deal, um, kind of get things going. We find out it's not quite what we thought it was, uh, membership wise. You know, I, I was looking at it from a numbers like, Hey, can I, 
am I going to sink in cash into this thing every month until it's up and running better? Or is it just kind of like self-sustaining right now? We just grow it. And I thought there was, you know, going to be in the black, you know, right off right away. day one, yeah. you know, and we find out like, nope, like a lot of people were heading out to other locations just because the whole thing was kind of coming down. Yep. Um, the revenue was much lower than what I was anticipating. So yeah, it was sinking cash into it right away. Um, and then on top of that, he kind of was having some issues. Um, he was working with his wife, you know, at their location and you spend a lot of time with your spouse and it can become very, uh, a lot of tension there. Right. And so they kind of realized like, you know what, we can't spend all day, every day together doing the same business. We kind of need to get some space. Um, and yep. so they decided we're going to sell our gym. We're backing out of this other location. Um, we're going to go in a different direction and she was going to go do something and he was going to do something else. And it wasn't really, it, I didn't really have a say in it. You know, he was just kind of like, I'm backing out, you know, I'm, I'm gone <laughs> and Hey, now it's your baby. And, and I got on that, you know, that idea of like, cool. Yeah, it is like all mine now, but I don't really know what I'm doing yet. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, he had put a few things into place early on of like, well, this is how we do things at our place. And, and I didn't know enough about the business to understand why he was making those decisions. And to me, some of them seemed wrong. Like, oh, like those aren't the right prices. Those aren't the right membership options. We shouldn't be doing this, you know, stuff like that. So as soon as he backed out, I started making changes of what I thought was going to be better. And I was just making the same mistakes that all new gym owners make, you yeah. know. And it took me a couple of years down the line to just look back and be like, man, like, he kind of had this in the right spot. And you just stuck with it. <laughs> yeah, if I just like knew why yeah. and, and you know, got some sort of explanation or just trusted that he you know, knew what he was doing, I could have you know, avoided kind of making those mistakes, but he wasn't around long enough to really show me like, yeah, this is going to work because it, it didn't just immediately take off you know, with those things in place. I was like, ah, it's not growing immediately. Like this isn't the right way to do things. I got to change stuff. You know, and so all this kind of stuff is just not having a mentor and not really know what you're doing. I mean, yeah. all those mistakes. Plus, I wasn't really spending enough time in the business. Like I said, I was still working the other job, so I couldn't even think about it that intelligently. I couldn't spend the time to evaluate all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, it was just kind of trial by fire, and um, it was a struggle. I, yeah. I think I lost a lot of years <laughs> of my life, <laughs> yeah. um, stress-wise, those first couple of years. Well, you, you go into this opportunity thinking... You have a business partner who is already successful in the industry and is going to guide you so you don't make those rookie mistakes. You think that you've got a business that you're taking over that is profitable on day one. And you find out very shortly that you're losing the, the mentor and the partner and you have a, basically a third of the members that versus what you thought you had, right, yeah. right around that range. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, was that, uh, what was your thought process when all of that occurred? Was there a, a moment of panic or was there just a, okay, buckle down, this is what's got to, this oh, is what the reality is? It was full-blown panic for <laughs> a long time. It wasn't something like, oh, okay, like I'm a little freaked out, but we're going to work through this now. It was, I was super stressed out. I thought I was going to, you know, lose everything and just did not know how I was going to right the ship. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a terrifying uh, position to be in. Yep. The only, I guess comfort was that I still had my job that I hated that it's like okay so I'm gonna survive because of this thing yeah but it was almost you know it's just depressing thinking that like here was my path you know forward to happiness and now it's not panning out the way you thought it was yeah. and you're 
you always fall back, you know, on this other thing that you know you hate, but it's it's solid, you know, it's always there. And so, yeah, it was just super depressing. And Was there a, a moment of doubt or wanting to quit? Or was it, um, yeah, this is going to be tough, but I want to stick it out and see if I can make something of it? I didn't want to quit, but I was worried about failing. Okay. I was worried it would get so bad to the point that I couldn't sustain it. And I would just have to let the gym go or, or okay. die out or something like that. So yeah. that, that was my fear was that I just wouldn't be able to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have any thoughts of like, well, I'm just going to throw in the towel and, Got it. and, and yeah. go back to the old things. Cause I just right. couldn't go back. It was, okay. yeah. So yeah, yeah. I was yep. too far along. Right. Trying to, trying to burn the bridges. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you get in and this is the first business that you're owning and running. What were, uh, some business ownership roles or responsibilities that you got in and were completely natural and then vice versa What were some things where you got in and you realized immediately? Hey, this is stuff. I need to improve Personally skill wise or I'm gonna be in trouble. Yeah, I was I was terrible at delegating uh, terrible like manager type role, okay um, and I, I kind of knew that going into it because at my old job I was like that anytime there was some group project I was like, no, you suck. You're going to mess it up. I'll do it myself type thing. I didn't trust anybody to do anything. Okay. I always thought I could do it better than they could. And so I kind of took that into the gym business. And you can't you can't be an owner and not be able to delegate out things. Like, you can't wear every single hat, you know. Yep. You can't be scrubbing the toilets and coaching the classes and doing the books and, and doing the advertising and all that kind of stuff. It's like you're just going to do a half-assed job at all of it, and it's yep. all going to suck. Um, so I really, it took a long time to really learn like how to trust people and delegate. And that's why now I've, I've liked the idea of like, well, no, I just have to help grow them. So if I don't think they can do it as good as I can, whether that's true or not, I just need to help them be able to do it better than I can, you know? And so that became the focal point over the years is like, well, you just got to help grow people, right? You got to build your staff and surround yourself with people that want to grow and be successful and supply them the tools and the means to do that. Um, So that was a big evolution for me to kind of have that shift in mindset and that kind of stuff. So I was really bad at that. Uh, I was, I was passionate about the coaching, but I didn't have a ton of experience when I started. It was like a part-time thing that I was doing on the side of my other job, you know, back at the old gym, I was just coaching some of the gymnastics classes and occasionally some of the group classes, but I didn't have a lot of hours under my belt. So I really needed to uh, grow there and um, that kind of thing. And then just, uh, just learning like all the ins and outs of like what actually takes a business to run. Like you just don't know. Okay. And yep. on the surface of the gym, it just seems so easy. You know, you're just like, you just, you show up, you run a class. You and help people work out and yeah, you clean up and go home. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like there's nothing to it at that's all. Not, that's not it. There's, <laughs> there's more to there's it. A little, bit, a little bit more. So yeah, you get back in there and there's just like all these other pieces to it. And, and CrossFit itself has evolved a lot. It used to be, I think, almost that simple. Like you just open your doors, people show up. You know, you throw together a workout and boom, you're done. And now there's, you know, it's grown so much. There's so much more competition. There's all different kinds of workouts now. You got Orange Theory and all these other things going on. You have to separate yourself. You have to really just, you know, build a legit business now instead of just a box, you know, that people come to because it's like a, you know, new niche thing, you know, boutique fitness type thing, you know, so... um, So it got harder and harder to have a successful CrossFit, you know, as it felt like just as I was getting into it, it used to like, you know, at the surface, it used to be so easy. And like, now I'm hitting it. You just put the name CrossFit on the door and people would come because you were the local CrossFit gym. Yep, exactly. So, so now you got all these other ones, you know, you drive 
five, ten minutes in any direction, you can go to a different one. It's yeah. like, well, what's going to separate me from them? You know, if I'm just barely in here, you know, the minimum, trying to do all this stuff. And so that was that was a real, you know, eye-opener for me. Like, I really yeah. need to dial this thing in and, and kind of separate ourselves and, and do this better than everyone else. Yeah. You touched on, on two things that I want to dig deeper on with you. You touched on uh, the relationship with uh, employees or people working uh, for you and with you and growing them. And then you talked also of, of separating and, and doing something well to make yourself better than the competition. Yeah. So I want to start with that one first. So you asked yourself, um, what, what can I do to separate myself from other people? What did that turn into? Did you say, here's one or two things that I want to do better than every other similar type gym out there? Yeah. You know, I started looking at, you know, what does everybody else do? And I think that was a mistake is I was looking at other people and what do they do, you know, and how are we going to beat them at what they do? And instead of just looking in and say, well, what are we good at? Yeah. What are we passionate about? And what are we, what do we actually believe in? And I, I was, you know, I feel like if you're genuine in what you offer, like you're going to always be the best at it. You know, if I start, Meaning you truly believe in what you're offering yeah, people? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because there's, there's obviously opportunity to... You know, you could do like the boot camp stuff in addition to the CrossFit classes, yeah. right? You could do um, whatever. You could have all these different kind of clubs within there and like kind of carve out little pieces, you know, to offer different things, kids club and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, you know, I just looked at, well, what am I really passionate about? What do I really believe in? Do I believe in boot camp? Do I believe in whatever, like a row club or, you know, whatever, all these different options. What am I actually passionate about? What do I believe is going to get people the real results? What do I think we can do well? And... I always just kind of stuck to my guns on, I don't want to do the boot camp. Not that, boot camp's fine, right? It, it, any kind of exercise is good for people. I, yeah, I feel you like get people you, moving. Yeah, exactly. If you're doing something, you're yep. going to see some results. I liked CrossFit because it was just very well balanced. It has enough different uh, movements and, and things in it that it keeps it interesting. There's yeah. always something to get better at. Um, and I always felt like if there was some somebody who came in the door who couldn't or didn't want to do a certain thing, I could easily just modify that. I didn't need a whole separate program because people didn't want to touch a barbell. Like I could make that adjustment yeah. on the fly, still give them basically the same workout as everybody else is doing, but they're in their comfort zone. So I never thought it was a, necess uh, a necessity to have that other program. And I didn't want to muddy the water with that and create okay. any kind of division because some people are just adamant, like, oh, I don't want to do anything, anything with boot camp, you know, for good or bad. But... So I just always felt like if I stick to my guns, stay genuine, you know, that'll allow me to be the best at that one thing. Because if I don't really buy into what I'm offering, then it, it's not going to be the best it can be. Okay. Like I always have that in the back of my mind, you know, and I just won't be into it. And I feel like people will pick up on that. Right. So that's what I've always just done. It's like I believe in CrossFit and like let's just do CrossFit really, really well and kind of stick to the, the fundamentals of it, you know, and yeah, it's evolving over the years, but you know, it's, it's got that core, you know, that doesn't change and yep. we just learn how to do it a little bit better yep. um, each day. So that's, that's kind of the path I've gone down and I, I've definitely had moments of like questioning myself and it's like, oh, you know, you could open up to a different market if you offer this, even though you don't really want to do that, you could, you could make more money doing this. Yeah. But again, it's like, if I don't enjoy it, like, what am I doing? Like, I just got away from a whole career that right. I didn't enjoy. Why am I going to make another, you know, decision to go in a direction that I'm not passionate about and don't believe in? So I've just always stuck to 
do what you believe in and just do it well. And one of the other things that you do uh, with your gym versus what most, most CrossFit gyms do is you offer a personal training side. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide, okay, we're going to do CrossFit. This is our foundation. Why did you also decide, hey, I think personal training is a great addition to this type of programming versus the rowing or uh, boot camp or something like that? Why did personal training fit your vision? Uh, well, we, we always start people out now with personal training before they go into the group classes. And that's yeah. kind of how it started was we realized that you throw people into a group like fundamentals or on-ramp class or whatever you yeah. want to call it. And everybody just learns at different speeds. Um, you know, some people have more exposure to previous exercise routines or something like that. Some people have never touched a barbell in their life. Some people, you know, played uh, high school or college sports. You know, there's all these different backgrounds. And you throw all those together in one group class, yep. you know, and you're trying to teach the deadlift. And some guys have been doing it for years, pick it right up, and make a couple tweaks to their form. Other people are just completely uncomfortable with hip hinging and that concept and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, I need to spend way more time with these people. This guy gets it, he's ready to move on. And it created this whole division in the class and it was just a nightmare. And you know, I figured, I was like, well, if we could just individualize it and, and go at your own speed, yeah. you know, they get way more out of it, first of all, because like every session is just devoted to them. Okay. And so it's like, man, if you're picking up on the hip hinge, cool, we don't need to spend a bunch of time on that. It looks good, let's move on, let's work on this other thing that you're not as good at and spend the time there. So we could customize it to them, we could do as many sessions as we needed to. Um, and get them prepared for group class. And the whole idea is that we get them moving well and, and so they can set them up for long-term success. Right. You know, it does nobody any good if I'm just like rushing them through some sort of on-ramp program, throwing them into group class, and then it's like, boom, like there, you're throwing you in the deep end, like sink or swim, you know, we'll figure it out along the way. It's like, no, you're not going to develop good movement patterns like that unless you're just a natural athlete and kind of yeah. luck out and, and just can move well. Um, so we want to set people up, you know, to, to stay safe and be able to do this long term. I, I, I personally didn't have like the thought of like, oh, I'll do CrossFit for like five years until I like ruin my shoulders and then figure out something else. Like, right. <laughs> you know, this is, I love this stuff and I want to be able to keep doing it. And I've realized that like, you know, I'm going to have weaknesses and mobility issues and stuff like that that I need to address and stay smart and train smart. And so we need to make sure we figure all that stuff out with people coming into it. And so, and then, and then supplementing along the way, because yeah, it's like, yeah, you get through fundamentals and you know the basics and you're moving well and you're going to keep evolving in group classes, but you're still going to have little chinks in your armor and individualized things that you need to focus on. So there's always going to be those opportunities to like, Hey, let's step aside for a second, come out of the group class. We'll work one-on-one again every once in a while. And it's like, man, you've really been trying to get that pull up. Right. It's like, yeah, we train towards that group class, but it's not like the focal point for yeah. every single person to work on a pull-up. Because everyone's at different levels. Right. So it's like, well, cool. Well, you want to get the pull-up. Well, here's some things that you can do. We've got some weaknesses here and here for you. So let's address that with this and this. And we give them a little something, do a little session, and then they're back. We got, they got some stuff they can do on their own before or after class and everything. And it just makes a lot of sense. Um, and it wasn't something that was immediately like appealing to me because I didn't have that when I started in CrossFit. Okay. I went through a fundamentals. It was a group fundamentals. I got into the class. I had, you know, a fitness background. Had a background, so, so you probably weren't the person that needed it as much as some of the other right. people walking into a gym. Right. Not that I was having touched a barbell. Yeah. Not that I was the best mover or anything like that, but I at least had some sort of background, background. familiarity. Yep. Um, and so I never saw that. And I was at first I was kind of like, ooh, personal training. I don't know if I like the idea of that because group class is fun and I like the interaction and that kind of stuff. But then I saw like, wow, this can be so powerful for people. And that one one hour session can be so productive 
when I'm just focused on one person yep. and not a whole group of people. So two things from what you just said that anybody running a business or owning a business can apply no matter what industry they're in is you tested and figured out the best client experience, right? It wasn't just this is what I want to do. It's what's going to end up being best for my members or my clients. Yeah. And that's industry-wide, uh, really business-wide. It doesn't matter. And the second thing is you found a way to personalize the experience. And I think that's really key too is you can't just give everybody the same cookie cutter thing. And, and it doesn't matter if it's your industry, my industry, anything like that. Find a way to experience, uh, everybody to experience it on their own personal level gives them better results and, and a better experience in the long term. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So let's pivot now to the, the first thing that I mentioned uh, probably 10 minutes ago at this point. But the uh, you focus a lot on your employees and your coaches, the people that are helping you run the business. And within CrossFit, there are a lot of gyms where they just have volunteer coaches or they're going to trade a, uh, a coaching, uh, uh, somebody to coach a couple classes for a membership, but you do significantly more. So can you dive into that and then talk about why you actually go that route? Yeah. So I, I love the idea of full-time coaches and I think if anybody's ever done any CrossFit coaching, you probably can't even fathom what how you would make a living just being a full-time CrossFit coach because it just doesn't seem like it's feasible. You know, yeah. you get paid whatever, 20 bucks an hour, something like that. There's only so many classes in a day. You got other coaches. You know, it just doesn't add up to a lot of cash if you just do it like that. And so, and then the, the downfall is that, well, okay, so if this is a part-time thing, you know, I'm just going to coach whatever handful of classes a week. Like, what, what motivation do I really have to become the best CrossFit coach out there, okay. right? You know, it's like, yeah, most people are passionate about CrossFit, um, but if you're not really making a living doing it, you know, it's kind of like, well, how much effort am I really going to put into this thing to, to grow myself and, you know, refine my coaching skills and that kind of thing versus if it's, it's your full-time gig, you know, and you can actually make a good living off of it, like you're fully invested. Like you don't have to worry about the other day job you know, to pay the bills and stuff like that. Like, this is your whole gig. And the better you become, the more of a name you make for yourself, the more clients you can get under your belt, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, and so that, that idea really, really appealed to me, and, and I wanted to make that happen. So, so yeah, we do basically like a, uh, like a revenue-sharing um, type payment uh, plan for our, for our coaches. So, so they basically, you know, the clients that they bring through fundamentals and kind of look after once they're in group class, like, those are their members. Like... And so they get a chunk of that membership fee, you know, as part of their pay. And so it, it incentivizes them to, first of all, just do a good job, right? right. Um, just be a good coach and keep becoming better. And then also retain those members, you know, because if they lose a member, the gym loses it, they lose it, yeah. they don't get paid as much, you know, and it's, so it's a win-win for the gym and the coach to, they, they all of a sudden are invested in member retention. It's not just the owner who's, trying to chase after people and make sure people are showing up and staying on top of all that kind of stuff. The coaches themselves are, are invested in that. Yep. Um, so, and it becomes really important because the coach really forms the relationship with the members, right? If, if it's always, you know, the kind of same coaches they're seeing yeah. all the time, stuff like that. Maybe the business owner themselves, they may or may not be coaching classes and, and that kind of thing. So there's not quite the same relationship there. Right. So it's really important for them to, to be invested in that and not just be like, well, I put my hour in, 
you know, I got my free membership, like my, my deal's done here. And, right. you know, this guy's coming to me after class and kind of asking, oh, you know, can you help me out with this one thing, working on this muscle up? There's or no incentive like to help. Right. Yeah. No incentive like, to give your members a good experience. Exactly. It's like, man, I, I'm getting paid for the hour. My hour's up. Like, you know, I, I really don't want to stick around and help anybody. There's no benefit to yeah, me. You want to put everybody on the same side of the table where everybody's focus is make this the best experience possible. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it just made sense. Um, they get paid better. Um, the business doesn't necessarily like, well, I, I think it works for the business too, because yeah, you could look at it as a point of, oh, I'm paying the coaches all this money now. They're, they're getting a chunk of the, right. the revenue. How is the business going to thrive? Well, it thrives because the members are happy and they stay yeah. and then they tell their friends and it grows. And so the, the gym can get to where it needs to be to sustain everybody. Okay. And I, I already said I'm not the guy who cares about like the jet skis and all this other bullshit. Like I don't I don't need all that money. I'm not yep. trying to get rich from the gym business. I want to be able to to basically sustain myself so I can keep a roof over my head and eat healthy food and, and stuff like that and keep doing what I love. But beyond that, I don't really need anything else. So yep. I don't care about like keeping all the money for myself. It's like, let's spread that out and just make a thriving business where right. everybody's happy. But you even alluded to it. If you invest more in them, which in turn invest more into the business, the business is going to end up sure. doing better anyways. Yeah. So it's, it's a win on all sides because yeah. the members get a better experience. So they're more loyal. They help you grow because they're referring people, your coaches are happier, they're gonna stay around longer, and in return, the business ends up growing faster anyways. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, so yeah, as we as we do better and better, like, to me, it's an opportunity to reinvest in the business. Like, cool, like, we just got some new bikes, right? Right. I can I can buy some new bikes, I can get some, some GHDs, hopefully later this year, and stuff like that, and I can just keep finding ways, like, cool, as we grow, coaches make more, uh, business can reinvest and keep improving the experience for the, the members, and, yeah, right. Wins. Yeah, and and then another thing, and we had talked about this a little bit before I turned the the cameras on, but uh, another piece with the the coaches that you do, which is unique, and I've never heard of people doing this before, is you basically tell them um, on the education side. So mm-hmm. I, I won't I won't say it. I'll let you say it. But can you tell these guys what you do on the education side of uh, your coaches? Yeah, I mean, I basically you know try to let them know like hey if there's a a seminar or something like that coming up that you know it's like man this would really be beneficial this would kind of take our game up a notch um like i will help pay for that and nobody's really been taking me up on it yeah i don't know if they think i'm serious or not but (laughs) i bring it up from time to time and i'm like really like is there something coming up like that you guys want to go and do um because it's an investment again in the gym itself like if they become a better coach Right, better experience for everybody else. Okay. They can share their knowledge with the other coaches. I don't have to send the whole crew out there. It's like cool. Like you're into the gymnastics seminar, you're gonna go do that. You're gonna come back, and we're gonna hold our own little coaches clinic where you can teach us what you learned. So we all get the benefit of that, right? And then we can kind of incorporate that into what we do here in the gym. Yep. Um, so I'm always looking for ways again to grow. Um, if I if I find a podcast that's really valuable, I send it to the we have our little Slack, you know, okay. chat app, right. you know, and so I'll have a little education channel. I'll post in articles videos, things like that, that I find that I find interesting and valuable and try to encourage everybody else to share too, because I know they're coming up with stuff too, you know, you know, they're invested Mm -hmm. in this and they want to grow as coaches. And I'm sure that every time they find a video, it's like, wow, that was really resonated with me. That was some good stuff. Share it with the group. Everybody just kind of keeps growing together. So, um, with a coach, as a coach, like you just, you can't stop learning. If you you stop learning, you're just going to get left behind. And I think, I think you kind of lose interest too. If, 
if you're not if evolving, you're not growing, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like cool. Like I've been doing the same thing. Like if I do the same warm up, you know, every class, you know, for two years, like how miserable would that be? You know, you're just kind of going through the motions after a while. <laughs> so yeah, you got to keep evolving. Yep. And you know, as far as like nutrition and health and, and fitness and all that kind of stuff. Every couple of years, they'll just come out with some study that just debunks everything that we thought was right, right? So it's like, yeah. you don't stay on top of that stuff. You're going to get left behind. You're going to keep doing the stuff that, like, this doesn't work anymore. They yep. were wrong about that. So, yeah, it's super important to just continue the education. It just never stops. Yep. No, that makes perfect sense. So I want to finish with uh, some questions about your principles or philosophies. And it, it's business, it's personal, uh, things like that. So uh, one of the things that I focus a lot on is having pillars in my life. So so three things that I want to be focusing on and if I'm focusing on those pillars or kind of categories, I know I'm growing as a, a person and I'm enjoying myself. So yeah. do you have some of those kind of staple categories or pillars in your life that you try and focus on? Yeah, the biggest thing for me, and I think it's, it just kind of dictates everything else in your life is, is seeking out happiness, you know, and if you, if you just focus on that one thing, like what makes me happy? And if you're happy, like people around you will be happy too, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, it's, it, it, I used to think that was, that success was money. Like how much money could I make? Financial freedom, all that kind of stuff. Like that was going to make me happy. And I've learned that that wasn't the case, you know? So now I was just like, well, what actually makes me happy? And it's just being healthy. Um, so that would be a, I guess a pillar right there, health, um, happiness, um, Family, obviously, I'm super close to my parents. I don't have a huge, like, extended family or anything yeah. like that. Um, but very close to my parents. Um, love spending time with them. And they come to the gym, you know, and they're a huge part of that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just family, health, happiness. And, like I said, everything kind of centers around seeking out happiness and just doing what truly makes you happy, not what people tell you makes you happy, yeah. right, or what you're supposed to be doing in society and that kind of stuff. So, um and that, that's, that's definitely been more in the, the past few years where I've really come to realize how important that is and, and that a simple life um, can be extremely fulfilling, you know, and I don't need all this glitz and glamour and flash yep. and stuff like that to be happy. It just doesn't really yeah. work that way. Yeah. So the next one possibly is going to repeat a little bit, but uh, I'm curious on your answer, so I'm going to ask it anyways. Okay. If you could only write down two principles... Um, or words of wisdom um, and that's all you were remembered by just here's two things that everybody should know what would those two things be two principles yeah principles um, words of wisdom advice any any direction you want to go there yeah I think I think it's 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 gonna stick with the, the happiness theme that's what I, and that's why I said yeah. I figured it's gonna repeat but I want to <laughs> ask it anyways you know, it's, yeah, it's really just look at yourself, you know, and, and go off of what truly, like, how do you, how do you spend your free time? You know, I think if you look at how you spend your free time, that will guide you in the direction that you should go, you know, because that's what you like doing. If, if you just get to choose, what am I going to do today? You know, I got all the options in the world. What am I going to do? That's it. That's the path you need to go down. Yep. Um, so yeah, because if, if you're happy, like everything else just falls into place. It's really... Perfect. No, I like it. Um, and that's why I said it was, yeah. I figured it'd repeat. Uh, okay, so what's one thing that you see happening today 
that you wish you could either eliminate or something you wish you could change? Uh, I feel like, uh, at least in this, this country, people are just way overworked. Way overworked. Um, I really wish we could. I, I know a lot of other countries out there, you know, their labor laws are way different. Um, some are worse, some are better. But yeah, I just feel like people have committed to their jobs, you know, and I, yeah. I hear it all the time, you know, members, you know, sometimes they, they don't show up as often. I'll reach out, right. you know, what's going on. And so nine times out of ten, it's the job, right? Oh man, I'm working like 60 hours a week. Well, I've said it to you. Yeah, it's 80 <laughs> hours a week. You know, I've, I've heard all these crazy stories. Yeah. Like, I was going to come today, but, you know, had a big meeting, something like that. It ran late, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, everybody keeps putting their job first because they feel like they have to be the company man. They have to make the money so that they can do X, Y, Z and all this kind of stuff. They're just still locked into that. Like, I have to do this, you know. And then later on down the road, I can be happy. Yep. You know, and it's like, man, live for now. Like, be happy now. If that means making less money, doing a different job, something like that, you're going you're gonna to thank yourself later yep. on down the road because yeah, you don't want to be that guy who has you know, 40, 60 year career, you know, that you weren't really happy at, you missed out on all this stuff, you're not healthy, right, you couldn't take care of your body, you couldn't take care of your family, all that kind of stuff, you get to the end of the road, and it's like, what was the point, you know, what was the point of all that, so, yeah, I'd say, you know, if people, I feel like people need to drive that change, because the big businesses, and stuff like that, that are, you know, demanding their employees do all that stuff, they're not going to, you know, all of a sudden sit back one day and be like, you know what, you guys are getting overworked and you're not paid enough and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to back off. And, yeah. and well, because they're driven by shareholders. Exactly. So they okay. need to decrease costs and increase uh, their productivity. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. So that's all numbers. And so I feel like the employees themselves need to drive that. And I keep, I try to encourage that with the members that, that tell me those kinds of stories of I'm working too much and I, I don't have time for the gym. And I, put your health first. Put your health first, because if you're not healthy, then, you know, you've got people depending on you, right? Everybody, you know, has like a spouse or kids or something like that, family members. You've got people depending on them. It's like if you're not taking care of yourself, how are you going to take care of somebody else? Yeah. Eventually, yeah. that you're going to wear down. Yep. So that's that's the biggest thing for me that I see all the time. And like I said, I, I mean, I personally, I do work a lot of hours, but it doesn't feel like work to me. Like, I enjoy what I'm doing, so I'm not stressing myself out. I'm, I don't feel exhausted by what I'm doing. It's just... So it's just well, a full day of doing what I enjoy. I was just going to say, kind of a better way to look at it is you're doing what you enjoy a lot of hours yeah. every day. It just happens to be your, your work. Yeah. So yeah. you're not working a lot of hours. You're doing what you enjoy a lot of hours. Yeah. So if they can find that, like some people do work a lot of hours and, and enjoy it, and that's that's fine. Yeah. But don't sacrifice your health to do that. Yep. You know, Find the balance there. You know? yeah. So great if you love your job and it happens to be a lot of hours. Cool. you got to make time for yourself still. and just look out for your health and well-being yeah it's amazing with what I do the uh, seeing the actual numbers of people that need assisted living uh, it's incredible and it's very likely the fact that they're putting things like health on the back burner yeah so for sure. so yeah I'm, I'm right in line with what you're saying so okay final two questions both revolving around success because this is called success defined okay. so the first one is, is simply that it's how do you today define success yeah, I think I think I touched on it already. You know, I used to think success was yeah. money. How much money can I make, and how well off can I be? And and I definitely went down that path and figured out that's not the answer. Um, and so now it's just what's what's going to be enjoyable, what's sustainable, right? Um, living for now, like don't live for tomorrow. 
I'm not saying you can't like bust your butt today to, to get a payoff or something like that, yeah. but don't just keep grinding and grinding and grinding, you know, for 20, 30 years waiting for this payoff way down the line. Yeah. Like you've got to have some enjoyment along the path. So mm-hmm. it's like, enjoy the journey, you know, I guess is the bottom line there. You know, if yeah. you're not enjoying the journey, then you're probably on the wrong path. Yep. So let's, for the last question, let's get a little bit more specific and say, okay, that's the, the philosophy of success. But if we're sitting here three years from now and, and we're having a conversation, what does success look like for you? What happened in that three-year period where you can look back and say, yep, that was a successful three years? Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess for me is, you know, you know, was it, was it stress-free? Did I, did I make an impact? Like to me, it's, it's not just about my life. Like, yeah, I love what I do and I'm happy at the end of the day, but if I'm not making an impact on other people, then what am I really doing? You know, because I mean, if you're in the health and fitness, you know, space, like that's, that's your job. You are trying to improve other people's lives, make them feel better every day. Right. And so if I'm not accomplishing that, if I, let's say I just have a gym that's crushing it, we got all kinds of members and we're making all kinds of money and stuff like that. And I'm loving it, but they're not, then then that wasn't success. Right. Right. So success is, is on both ends of that. Uh And so, me being happy in what I do, um, feeling like I'm growing, right, improving myself, um, improving my employees, right, getting getting them to evolve and going in the direction that they want to go to. I'm sure they all have different end goals, and I've, I've asked them about that, like, hey, do you want to own your own gym one day? Can I help you on that journey, you know? Um, you know, what do you want to be? You want to be the best CrossFit coach there is? You want to go do something else? Like, what, you know, what does that look like? So I want to help them kind of get to their end goal too. Um, and then the members, it's like, I want to have an impact. I want to improve their lives. I want them to always just think like, this was the best hour of my day, right? I really enjoyed this, yeah. right? It made a change. It made me happy. Um, it translates over to my, you know, outside life, outside of this, outside of my job and all that kind of stuff. So to me, that's success is like making an impact, making people happy. So Perfect. I love it. Uh, anything you want to leave the viewers and listeners with, uh, or just any way to uh, to contact that yourself or things like that? Um, yeah, I would just say you know, don't don't wait for something to fall in your lap necessarily. Um, at some point, you're going to have to make that hard decision. If you're not happy with where you're at right now, um, you got to make the make a change happen yourself. Yeah. You know, and uh, it can be terrifying, especially like you know, you work a a stable job for 10 years and the thought of you know going out in a totally different direction um it, it can be really really frightening and it's just like you gotta try it at some point and the sooner the better because the farther down the path you go the harder it is like there, i feel like there's less room for forgiveness there mm-hmm. you know it's like if you're younger you can you can afford to make those mistakes you know yeah. um but yeah um yeah as far as reaching out um you can uh, always email me, Nate, at cfudavidson.com. Check out our website, um, cfudavidson.com. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Yep. You can find us there. Um, but, yeah. Perfect. I'll put all that in the show notes. Cool. Nate, I appreciate you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me.